Well, my name's Sean Brideseth. I am from a church called Oxygen Life Church. Um, awesome to see some of the young... Thanks, Nick. Don't you love this dude? Isn't he amazing? He's a beautiful guy, man. That'd be good. Did I say that how you asked me to say it? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, well, it's wonderful to be with you. So I uh, lead one of the congregations in Oxygen Life. Just want to send uh, greetings from Brad and Ange, who lead the church. I, I know they'd love, to, they'd love to be here. They're working a lot and, and very busy. Um, and then just want to send love from my wife, uh, Samantha, and our three little children. Um, thinking of relationship weeks, my daughter's seven. And I'm like, every boy in her class wants to like, marry her. I'm like, <laughs> when did this happen? Like, what happened? Uh, she's beautiful. She's an absolutely beautiful child, but she's adopted, so I can't take any credit for that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going, yes, arranged marriages are sounding pretty good. So I thought after Relationship Week tonight, I would preach about how to find a wife and how to find a husband, and then after the meeting, we're just going to just set it up. Okay. <laughs> Leonard's like, ha, 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 let's have coffee. Um, Okay. Um, people from the Old Testament would be shocked to see what we're doing. They'd be absolutely, I think they'd be appalled. Just, that was just some feedback from my earlier preach. Just <laughs> <laughs> pretty good feedback, actually. Quite strong. Um, people would be appalled by the fact that we are just walk into God's presence. And it's not even about this building. This isn't some holy building. People would be appalled by the fact that you can literally be sitting together chatting and then go, let's pray. Lord God of heaven and earth, we just want to speak to you now. People in the Old Testament would try and stop us. They would say, you can't do this. They would, they would be horrified. Uh, they'd say, God's, you can't come into God's presence like that. Look at you. You haven't cleansed yourself. You haven't... Uh, have you made a sacrifice? And that we can't forget this thing of coming into God's presence. Uh, Paul said in that same scripture that Godfrey was quoting, he said, I want to know Christ. An amazing thing to say. I want to know Christ. You think, Paul, you did know Christ. You know him. You've known him for a long time. But his heart was just to know Jesus more and more. And the fact that we can come into God's presence and just just sort of waltz in, like, well, here we are, God. You know, this is me. It's amazing. It's through Jesus. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to commend us to God. In fact, everything else does the opposite in us. Everything actually stands against us. But Jesus, he stands in our defense, and, and he presents us to God. It's beautiful. And we, we mustn't ever forget that. Um, but I want to ask a question tonight, just as we consider... Even having a relationship with God sounds like such a weird thing to say. I want to ask this question, why can we talk to each other for so long and be amongst each other? And I could talk to these dudes for hours. And I'm sure most of you I could talk to you for hours. Not all of you, but, but most of you. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But we could talk to each other for hours and we're just like, man, you're fascinating. You're amazing. I love you. And why is it that when we come to God... It can be a few minutes and we feel like, yeah, I've run out of things to say. I've got nothing left. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what else to say. 
It's like, can I get a Monet, like in my bedroom, just leading, as I wake up, leading worship, you know? It's like, it's like, that's so helpful. But when we come to the Lord, it's like, we've got these things in us that are like, they're barriers, actually, to coming into God's presence. And I think it's two things, mainly. I think, firstly, we actually are a very distracted generation, and it's not just young people, it's actually everyone. Uh, we're very distracted. I say generation, that's not age. It's actually just all of us living on earth right now. We've, we've got so many, you know, if you, if you watch a movie and are on your phone at the same time, you are that. So, sorry. Uh, yeah, everyone's, ha, ha, that's me. Um, we're a deeply distracted generation, and we, we find it hard to focus our thoughts. Uh, it's just a thing. It's something we've got to bear up under. It's actually a problem in our generation. But I think secondly, and actually more importantly, the devil will do anything to stop you coming into the presence of God. He'll do anything. Sometimes you, you, you come into God's presence and you have thoughts about how deeply sinful you are. Uh, sometimes that's God because he's trying to bring up your sin so he can forgive it. Many times it's the enemy. And he doesn't want you to go into the presence of God. He doesn't want you to be in this meeting with people worshiping and prophesying and and clearly the presence of God moving, he doesn't want you to enter into that. And he'll do anything to stop that. He will throw things at you. He will um, bring up things from your past. He will uh, cause actually sometimes turmoil in our minds. And we've got to come against that uh, as a lifestyle, actually. Should I stand further back? Is that going to help? I feel like there's like a low level of feedback from my, my preacher earlier. And it's, is that okay? Okay. That's better. Okay. I, f I feel like we've got to be aware that the enemy of God is there and he's trying to stop us coming into God's presence. Because if we don't think about that, what we do is we, st we start not knowing which way is up when we're trying to come to God. And we're like, Lord, here I am. And what we find is a bunch of flesh in us that contends with what we're trying to do. And it is flesh in us and we must subdue it actually, but the enemy's there as well. And so I want to, um, I want to read the Lord's Prayer tonight. Uh, do you know the Lord's Prayer? We used to sing it in school. And uh, I, I used to recite it, and I was at a, I'm an old Baptist, praise God. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I see that hand, brother. Oh, higher. Okay, the gain's up high because I'm holding it so low. Um, we used to recite it in our meetings, and it would be, uh, Our Father who art in heaven. And I couldn't follow it. And then it, I, I just knew when the lead us not into temptation, I heard the And I'd know, okay, we're there. We're almost finished. Um, and then we'd sing it in school. I was at a, a school in PE where we'd sing it routinely, and it was like, it was like a mournful, like funeral song, basically. You sort of just wanted to get out of there. Like, can we finish this and sort of hear how the first team did on Saturday, and then get out of here? So it was like, Our Father who art in heaven. Have you sung it like that in your schools? And it's like, can we just either not sing it or get a bit of laugh into it? And uh, <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like, can we end this? And uh, I think the Lord's Prayer is deeply misunderstood. And, and it's not a script. It's not a script for how to come to God. It's a way to come to God. And when we're flailing and we find we, we not, are not sure how to come into God's presence, because the Bible says the heart is deceitful about all things. And your heart deceives you. 
and you find, you know, maybe worshiping Monet's leading, and you're like, I am in the throne room. Like, I have entered the third heaven along with Paul, and I see wondrous things. And then you go home, and you're like, Lord, just thank, oh, you know, thank you for tonight. Oh, and you're in your room, and you're like, ah, oh, I don't have anything. This is because we're people. We're normal people. But we've got to go above that. And I want to read it together and think about how we come to God. Because at a point, we've got to go beyond our feelings. Serving the Lord is, it is feelings. You can't remove them. God gave us feelings. We can't be scared of them. But at the same time, we must transcend them. And we've got to bring ourselves in line with truth. And um, we've got to know, even in times, if you felt breakthrough in the worship time now, you've got to know that the enemy's going to gun for that. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to go, oh, well, oh, oh, well. go on to the next person. No, he will gun for you. And he will aim at that thing. And if it's based on feelings, he'll gun at your feelings. And it'll, what will be underneath will be not much. So we've got to stand on the word of God. Jesus, I actually cannot believe how Jesus was tempted by the devil. The devil actually threw scripture and Jesus said, it is written. And we've got to be a generation that goes, it is written, even when we come into the presence of God. Not just to fight spiritual battle, I bind that demon. That's fine. But we, when we come into the presence of God, it's just, I think there's enough things targeting that. The enemy can cut you down there. We, we, we're in trouble. Um, so I want to read it. It's Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 9. It's, it's only a handful of, of verses. Matthew, it's Genesis, Exodus, Matthew. Um, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Some of you are like, okay, let me start there. Yes, good. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Um, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. This then, said Jesus, is how you should pray. He didn't say what you should pray. He said how you should pray. Um, so I, I think it's fine to recite this. People recite that. That's okay. But the point is how we're coming to God. What are we coming to God with? In what way are we coming to God? How does God want us to come to him is the question. And I want to stop on the first two words. Our Father. He starts with our Father. Our Father who is in heaven, said Jesus. Our Father who is in heaven. We glance. Have you found yourself skipping over those words? Yes, on to the next one. What's next? And our generation sort of stops at your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. The whole movement's about that. Think about our Father who is in heaven. Just think about that for a moment. Our Father. Now, he's saying it to the Jews. And I heard a man once say, you know, God says the whole world must call him Father. No, he's not saying that. He said to the Jews, they were God's people. He was their Father. But today through the gospel, he's our Father. And the question when you come to God, I believe the first orientation point is, how did you become my father? It's a really good question. I think we mustn't become over familiar with the fact that we call God father. We shouldn't just assume that this is just something routine and normal. We should ask God, how did you become my father? And we revisit it in our minds. The fact that we can call God father is astounding. You realize we've, we've become brothers and sisters of Jesus. That's what Jesus said to the, uh, the disciples. He said, you're my servants. Remember, you, you're my, uh, he said, you're my, I called you servants, and I call you friends. Remember that? I call you friends if you do what I command. And then he goes to the cross, he dies, and he raises again. And he says, go and call my brothers. Go tell my brothers. And now even the relationship has changed. They're calling them friends, calling them brothers now. And we have become the brothers. If you're in Christ, you become the brother and the sister of Jesus. And Jesus is able to take you to the Father. And you're given the same status as Jesus. This is offensive to the mind, by the way. You might find yourself thinking, really? 
Well, maybe there's guys in the front who are given the same status. No, we stand in the obedience of Jesus. It, it's a miracle. And God looks at us. He looks at us the way he looks at his son, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ. It's the key. He looks at you the way he looks at his son. How did you become a follower? I, was, uh, I see Mark from, from Derbs. Nice to see you again. I won't insult you tonight. Last week in Derbs, Mark was there, and I, I preached about I said, there's some really old people. They're in their 60s. And Mark is in his 60s. I was like, no, sorry. I'm a horrible person. And uh, you're amazing. So Mark's son actually planted a, a church in Durban. Uh, Matt Wright, and I believe Nick is here as well. So awesome guys. Love you, man. Uh, I was with them last week, and God actually had reminded me of a story. And I'm asking this question, how did we become, how did God become our father? I read a story in Time Magazine. I don't recommend Time Magazine as a publication. This is not a plug for them. Uh, but I read it years ago when we still had this, this is a thing called paper. And they used to print magazines in paper. You can get it from trees. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I read this story in the back of Time Magazine. And what it was, now Time is not going to, uh, they're not going to push a Christian story at all, but I think inadvertently they kind of did. And there's a, there's a group of cliffs in Japan called the Tonjinbo Cliffs. And, and what they found was, they've actually become very famous in Japan for people going and throwing themselves off them. Go, it's a popular suicide destination. And uh, what happened was there was a policeman who'd retired. He retired 20 years ago. And his name was uh, Yuki Oshige. And he, this guy, he's got his own Wikipedia page. He's an amazing guy. And... Uh, he was about 60 in 2003, and he retired, and he, he found out what was happening. He was a policeman. He actually got, had to go and uh, fish some of the bodies out of the water, and he realized what was happening, and at a point, he said, I can't let this happen, and he, would, he actually moved into a little cabin on those cliffs, and he would patrol the cliffs every day. He was retired, and he'd walk, and if he saw someone standing alone there, he'd go to them and say, would you just wait a minute, and they called him the wait-a-minute man. Um, and what he would do was he'd have at his house some, maybe some noodles or some food that people would eat in their childhood. And he'd, he'd, he'd say, would you come back to my cabin? Would you come? And they'd come and sit and have the noodles and he'd remind them of their childhood and, and their life. And he'd say, don't do this. And uh, he, he developed a team around him. I think he's a bit too old to do it anymore. But by 2017, that's five years ago, the stats were they'd saved about 586 people. He'd pulled them off the cliffs. And, um, and then at the end of the story, because again, they, they can't push the gospel, but at the end of the story, the guy says his phone rings while he's interviewing him. Yuka Shige's phone. And it's the song Amazing Grace. I was like, I think he's a Christian. I think he loves God. And, and here's this man. I thought, wow, you know, the church is called. I thought, no, that's God. That's a sign of God. You see, God intercepts us. God intercepts us. We are on a death train. We are on our way to death. And God steps in and says, wait a minute. And he tries to stop us. And anybody who goes to hell goes, uh, uh, the Bible says it's God's will that all men be saved. God says, I don't delight in the death of the wicked. And God, how did God become our father? He intercepted us on the cliffs. He intercepted us. He found us. We used to sing an old song when I was young, I found Jesus. And that's okay. But actually, it's more accurate that he found us. He reached out to us. He came the whole way. I think of that story. I think, dear God, it's such a testimony of, of the heart of God. God, our Father, said Jesus, our Father who is in heaven. How did you become our Father? God, he intercepted me. He intercepted me. 
I was headed there. You know, the whole of humanity is headed there, headed off the cliffs, and God intercepts us. How do you think that's a good fitting, a fitting way to come into the presence of God? With that thought in your head. Oh, our Father, how, how, God. I love that he says our Father's in heaven, because you know what that means? He's not my Father who was on earth. How many of us have had a Father who, we just look at him and think, God, oh, oh, there must be some people here who think, I, I wish you'd given me a different one, Lord. A different parents or something. Jesus said, you must pray, our Father's in heaven. He's not an earthly father. He doesn't treat us like an earthly father would. Some of us have had wonderful fathers. Some of us have had bad examples. all spectrum in this room. But God, but God. That's why tonight we gather around God, not around our own parents. This is not being said to, to denigrate or to put down anyone's parents, by the way. But it's being said to say, he's our father. You know, our parents are, we, we give our, the Bible says, honor your parents. We must do that. But God has become our father through the gospel. What a mysterious truth. Our Father who is in heaven, Jesus said. And then he says, hallowed be thy name. Not Harold, be thy name. <laughs> hallowed be thy name. He says, glorified, praised be your name. Praised be your name. Now you see, now you see, you come into God's presence, you start thinking about how he became your father, you start thinking about the gospel, you start thinking about how he intercepted you on the cliffs of Tojinba. It was me, it was me, I was, to, I was on the road to destruction. He intercepted me. Next thing you're saying, hallowed be your name. But you've got your head right. They're coming to go, oh God, I praise you, I praise you. That's just mindless. I praise you, I praise you, God. No, no, no. Why do I praise you, God? Why? Oh, because of the gospel. And the gospel doesn't make me think, I must be amazing. Have you seen this today? There's such a trend. Look at what God did. Aren't we amazing? Oh my goodness, what? Look at what God did. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> I'm just the object of I'm just the object of mercy. It's all I am. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he wonderful? We flipped it in our generation. No, no, Jesus said when you pray, no, hallowed be your name. Not hallowed be my name because I'm obviously so amazing you just couldn't help yourself. No, 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 no. No, glorified be your name, God. Look at you, God. Um, the praise follows the revelation. Praise always has to follow some kind of revelation. Today, what we have is in many contexts, uh, God, God forbid it would be amongst us. But in many contexts, we've got people trying to get others to praise God, and there's nothing underneath it. So it's like, well, let's just whip it up into a frenzy. Get the most beautiful people, and we just, come on. It doesn't work. No, revelation. Revelation, praise. I remember hearing a story from a pastor um, who was in a, a church meeting, and it's actually a pastor from a very um, free liberal church, liberal in the sense of uh, they're free in their worship there. Um, and he was, in, he was about to preach, actually, at a conference. And he was standing in the front, waiting. And there's this woman who was worshiping God in, in the front. And he said, he's see, he said, I've seen it all. I've seen people worship God like you just can't believe. But this woman, she was doing things, like, nothing impure, but she was just moving her body in such a way. Actually, it actually offended me, he said. I felt, just please stop. Like, we're all like watching you. you you're dragging all the attention to yourself, and you, you got offended. And he was standing there going, oh, come on. And a lady came up to him who was a friend of his and said, looked at that lady and said, isn't that beautiful? And he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the lady said this. She said, that woman was a prostitute for 27 years. She just got born again. And he was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I realized what that woman, hallowed be your name, Lord. 
Just think of that woman, her life. Just think of the, the, the pain, the chaos in her life. Think of her finding, of God finding her. Hallowed be your name, Lord. Our Father is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You know, when we enter God's presence like this, it's quite hard to feel like you've got nothing to say to God. It's quite hard. I sometimes just go, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm pacing because I have to walk when I pray. I have to. I, I can't sit still. And I'm walking. I'm pacing up and down my, you know, at the night when everyone's in bed. Just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And if I don't feel I have anything to be thankful, I take myself back. My father, my father, thank you. Thank you. I lost my father at 17. 17 years old, I lost him. But God is my father. He is my father. I've had that gap in my life. Yes, I've had that gap. It's okay. God helped me even through the church. He brought fathers into my life. But God's my true father. He'll never leave me. He'll never leave me. And uh, I praise God for that. Hallowed be your name, he says. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we hear often. That's a really good thing to come to God and say. Do you know what I like about it? Is it gives me something to come to God with. I don't necessarily have to figure everything out. I just have to say, Lord, I want you to, I want your will to be done in my life, in me. How coming to God saying, Lord, do what you want with my life. It's a scary prayer. I remember when I was in a band, I played in a punk band. So I wear black. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I played in this punk band. And I remember God started taking hold of my life, but I was still in the music industry. I remember sitting one day and saying, God, I want, to go, I want to go down for you in the world's estimation. And as soon as I said it, I went, nope. <laughs> and I almost felt God go, okay. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> I thought, your will be done. Your will be done, Lord. On earth. You know what that verse means? It doesn't mean exactly what's happening in heaven. I want a carbon copy. There's no marriage in heaven. So, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Pray that. No suffering in heaven. Cool. I don't want any say. It's not that. It's to say, Lord, the way you are God in heaven and your will is carried out exactly as you want it, let it be on earth. Let that be the, the, let that be the testimony of this earth. Let your will be carried out. God, what you want. And you look at your life, God. Uh, you know, one of the prayers, the prayers I pray the most is, God, I want to be your guy. I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know what he's going to do with that. And it makes me nervous. I just want to be your guy. I just want to be your guy, whatever that means, Lord. You come into God's presence and you're a bit unsure of yourself and you're coming to him, you're not sure what he thinks of you even. Our Father, oh, thank you through the gospel. Oh, hallelujah, and I praise you, God. Oh, I just want to be your guy. I want to be your girl, Lord. I want to be your person. Your will, Lord, carried out in me the way, the way, every, the way you're God over everything. I want to be God over me. I know you're sovereign over everything, Lord. I know that. But I, I don't want to be resisting you. Lord, just take my life, please. Take my life and use it. What a prayer. Listen, you have a congregation of people praying that. It's unstoppable. We're unstoppable. Not in the sense that we're going to take a city. Not that. <laughs> Not that stuff. I mean, the disciples didn't even take Jerusalem. I mean, they, they turned it a bit upside down. They didn't take Jerusalem. They didn't, they didn't take a city. You, you do what God has for you. And that's lives and 
destinies. And a group of people going, God, your will, not mine. God can do anything with you. He can do anything. So you're praying, God. Do you know how much God loves that prayer? I just think of how he loves the prayer. I had a thought a little while ago. I was driving on the freeway in PE, which is about, it takes about three minutes to drive on the freeway in PE. And uh, I remember just thinking, almost picturing my car from, from the, like an eagle eye view of my car. And in the car, I was just singing to God. I was just worshiping. And, uh, and I just pictured God looking down at me. I know he's not necessarily down and he's with us. But I pictured God viewing me and just thinking, God, you must love that so much. Not because I'm amazing, but because he has a heart that's been redeemed. And I'm saying, just do with me what you want. Think of how God loves that. And our lives are about doing what God loves. So you come into his presence and you're unsure of yourself and you've been blown this way. And God, I want to be your person. You just pray that over and over in your life. I, I, I sometimes think, we, we almost need to say to each other, just pray this one, pray, just pray it. Just pray it and again and again and again. If you pray that, God is going to use you. He will, you will honor God with your love. Lord, use me. Do what you want with me. And he says this, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. A beautiful story from the Second World War, actually, just after the Second World War. Uh, group, groups of people started gathering together to pray from across, I think one from Germany and one from one of the other nations they basically obliterated. And they said, we, we've got to do something with Christians. We've got to do something. We can't let this divide. And they would meet uh, it, together and try and pray. And at one point, one of the people from the other nations said to the German Christians, I just don't know how we can forgive. I don't know. You guys ruined basically the planet. Like, thanks. You know, that was their time together. And uh, the, guy, the German guy said, can we, let's just pray together. Our Father. <laughs> and he got to forgive us, and everybody was reciting it together. Forgive us our debts as we forgiven us, and they all stopped. The guy said, ah, I have to forgive. And he, that, that, that meeting lasted, they carried on those meetings for years. Forgave each other. Think of that, that truth. Oh God, forgive me. Do you know, the one prayer, David Pawson said this. He said, the one prayer God always answers if you ask him for mercy. Isn't that beautiful? If you ask God for mercy, he will answer you. If he answered Ahab, Ahab humbled himself, like, like Jezebel's husband, like that guy. Yeah, you marry her, Saltai. Ahab, <laughs> it's quite a Saltai with Jezebel, yeah. You're going to need some prayer for that one. Ahab. Ahab, God goes, do you see how Ahab humbled himself before me? And he, he actually gives Ahab mercy. Ahab ultimately, his life is destroyed by his own sin. But God actually gives him mercy because he humbled himself. Don't you know if you humble yourself before God, God, forgive me. Forgive me my debts. But you know in God's presence, we, we, we lose our bearings. We don't know which way is up. And we come into God's presence. God, forgive me. You start thinking of, of the sin against God. If sin comes up in your mind when you come into God's presence, do something with it. The woman at the well. Why did Jesus say to the woman at the well, I know that you don't have a husband? Do you remember John 4? I know you don't have a husband. You've lived, what, what is it? You've had four husbands. And the man you're living with now is in your life. Why did he do that? So he could forgive her. He brought up her sin so he could forgive her. Don't you know if you come to God, oh, if we come to God and you feel condemned, don't you know the cross of Christ for the sins of the world? The cross of Christ for the sins of the world. You come to Jesus, you come to God, forgive me, Lord. 
Don't you know God responds to that? Forgive me. It's got to be godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow. It can't just be, I feel bad. No, forgive me, God. I've sinned against you. God says, I will. I'm faithful. Faithful to forgive in the name of my son. Don't you want to stop wasting time sitting on the sidelines of God's presence because of our sin? Don't you want to stop wasting time? I, I say that uh, for me. I, I'm not saying that to be hard on you. Don't you want to be done with that? Like, I want to be done with that. I want to come into his presence, throwing my sin upon him, casting it upon him. Lord, cleanse me, forgive me. There's always, Martin Luther used to infuriate the other monks uh, 500 years ago because he, he would have confession for like four hours. And then he'd walk back to his cell and, and he'd remember something on the way and go back. He'd be like, not you again. He's in a monastery. How much trouble can you get up to? And he would just confess like four hours worth of sin. God loves it when we bring up, confess your sin. Confess it to God. He'll forgive us our debts, God. And the more we do that and feel God's forgiveness, we forgive those who are indebted to us. There's a story, I won't tell the whole thing. There's a story from a man in Liberia. Uh, I went, yeah. He was a general, actually, in the Liberian factions in 1996 or so. And he, was a, he killed 20,000 people. He doesn't remember them. People just point them out today and he, he goes and says sorry. But he was a, he was a general. And he, he, was a, he actually hit the headlines of CNN. He, he was world famous. And uh, a group of pastors started praying for him in Liberia. And he, and he got born again. This general, he, he, used to, um, he, he used to basically just speak to Satan every day. And Satan would tell him to go kill people. And um, this, this Liberian war criminal... He, he gets born again in a meeting like this. He comes to the front. And the whole church is the greatest meeting they've ever been to. He's still around. You can find him on YouTube. His name is Joshua Milton Bly. And he, uh, and he comes forward. And they didn't know if he was born again yet. They thought, uh, we're not sure if he's tricking us. He's going to try to kill us all. <laughs> and on his birthday, he invited them to his house. He said, we're going to have a prayer meeting for my birthday. And all of you will come. And they were like, yes, we will. <laughs> And, uh, and he, they started casting demons out of him. And he, he realized the authority suddenly he had in Jesus. He started chasing after the demons himself, <laughs> shouting at them. Well, this is what they said. Somebody said to them, how did you know he was born again? How did, he's killed 20,000 people. How did you know he was born again? They said, at the, as the sun rose. See, the Bible says God's mercy is on you every morning. As the sun rose, they said, he just stood there and looked at the rising sun and said, God, have mercy on me. And he just cried and cried and said, God, have mercy. God, have mercy on me. And they realized he's been born again. And God forgave him his debts. Because you know God can forgive your debts. Because you know we've wasted too much time sitting in the slums, playing in the mud. And God calls us out of that. Because you know if you come into God's presence, you think we've got nothing to say to God. All right, forgive me my debts, God. Oh, he'll be faithful to forgive you. What if sin is rising up in your heart even now? Oh, bring it to God. He'll forgive you even now. And then he says this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What a prayer. What a thing to say to God. How important is that today? He's not saying, God, please don't lead me into temptation. Because the Bible says God doesn't tempt. He's saying, please lead me away from temptation. Lead me away from it. Just something happened to me about three years ago. Um, and I can sh I'll, I'll share it because uh, it was, I think it was a test, and I, I believe I passed. 
Um, well, I did, actually. I, I suddenly, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you right now. Everyone's going, hmm, let's have it. I, I, I suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm a married man. I remembered an old girlfriend I'd had in high school who I, I hadn't seen for years. I, I, I wasn't in touch with her in the slightest. You know, desire welled up in me, not a sexual desire, a longing for her that I couldn't explain. I didn't know how to quantify it, actually. A, a, a longing and aching in my heart rose up for, I'm a married man, for another woman that I wasn't in contact with, I wasn't seeing her. And it was to an extent that I realized it was demonic. It wasn't, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of flesh and blood, I can, I can entertain stuff and I, I, I repent of it. But I realized this is not from God. This is not God. And I don't even think this is me. And I remember thinking, if I dwell on this, I'm going to lose something here. And there's something at stake. And I remember walking to, going to a field near my house and praying. I think I prayed for maybe an hour that God would break whatever this was. And I actually, after about an hour, I felt him lift it. I felt the power of that longing lift. I, 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 hadn't I hadn't gone on Facebook even to look her up, anything like that. I don't have her number, nothing. So I didn't in any way entertain any, like pursue anything. I felt God lift it. And you know, it might have been a week or two later, I went to preach at a youth event and she was there. It's just standing there. I have not seen this girl for ages. And I was like, what are the odds of that? And you realize the enemy has set you up like you just don't understand. Yeah. He has set you up. And you go, in that moment, you go, dear God. Like, that's all you've got. You are like in the worship, you're on your face like, oh, God, you're so amazing. I love you so much, Lord. And I, and I had a conversation with her because it was polite. I had a conversation with her, and it was, but I, I left there just going, I praise your name, Lord. Dear God, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't contended for that thing to break off me, whatever that was. Yeah. I might have actually tried. I might have tried something. I'm just a man. And I, 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 I'd looked at that verse, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one in a fresh light. Oh my goodness. You're not sure how to come into God's presence. You come in through the gospel. You're my father. Oh, Lord, praise you, God. Oh, thank you, Lord. For, Lord, use me. I want to be your God. You're going through all these things, and you say, God, protect me. I think we could pray 24-7, God, protect me. I don't think we'd get to the end of the things that we need to be protected from. <laughs> I spend enough time just on my little kitty winks. I'm like, Lord, help my children. Help my children in this generation to stand firm. And you know, God invites those people. He wants us. Remember, Jesus is not giving us a script. He's telling us how to come to God. He's telling us how to come to God. And we come to him like that. God has told us how to come to him. And he tells us again and again. I want to read one more scripture, one more verse, and I'm going to end. Um, and then what I want us to do is just come to God one more time. Uh, I'll ask Monet just to come and lead us in a song. We can just come to Jesus one more time. Maybe, maybe there's some among us who have felt discouraged about this. Maybe there's some among us, even here in this place, who, who have felt discouraged about coming to the Lord, about coming into his presence. And to other people, it looks so easy. And, and you know what? Often there is sin we actually have to deal with. We must repent. The only sin God will not forgive is sin that's not repented of. He won't forgive it. We've got to repent of our sin. But, you know, we can be so discouraged about coming into God's presence the gold tonight is just to lift our eyes again to how God invites. 
He invites with the proper perspective us to come. Let me read it. It's Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Maybe Mona, you can even come up now if that's okay, my buddy. Um, what we'll do is we'll just, I think just, just one more time. We'll just come and maybe just sing a song together. I don't think we need to go beyond that. But um, it's Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Okay. Let's read this together. Verse 12 to 16. Um, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. That's not just the Bible, that's, that's God's word. That's what God speaks. It's sharp. Um, where was I? It's, uh, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the hearts. Nothing is, in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. It's <laughs> like, uh, this is not getting better. Everything's uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What a thought. What is going on? Therefore, he says, because he didn't stop there and say, let's take a break and then I'm going to give a heading and then we'll go to the next one. No, he just goes right through. Therefore, he says, therefore, because, what, because of that, because everything is laid bare to, under God's eyes, the God to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, that's Jesus. Now, the, Jesus is described as an apostle and a high priest. He's everything we need. An apostle represents God to the people. A high priest represents the people to God. Jesus does it both ways. He does everything we need. He's everything we need. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And confidence is the exact thing we feel like we mustn't have. Have you seen, we made a response, come, let's come to God's presence. How do we come? We melt our way to the front. Ugh. It's okay, maybe God's, heavy. maybe God's hand is heavy on you, that's fine. But you know, God wants us to come with confidence. Now, confidence is not arrogance. Arrogance is, I deserve this. I deserve a seat at the table, God. That's arrogance. But confidence says, you know, I heard a lovely preach from a guy, in, uh, he's a British guy actually. He's talking about the thief on the cross. The guy Jesus said, you'll be with me today, remember? And his preachers, I think his preachers called, the man in the middle said I could come when he gets to heaven one day. Who are you? He says, the man in the middle. The man on the cross in the middle said I could come. Isn't that beautiful? He said I could come. That's confidence. He said I could come. Jesus said I could come. Jesus said I could come into God's presence. I'm not coming here because I did something. The guy, on the, the guy on the cross next to me never had any chance to pray. He never joined a com. He never went to an outreach. Never witnessed to anyone. He never even got baptized. We'll leave that one there. He, you must get baptized. He, he had nothing. Nothing to commend himself. He said, I could come. He said, I'm in because of him. That's the process of grace with confidence. That's it. Not some puffed up, not some, you know, puff yourself up. And, uh, I suppose I can do this. No, 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 no. 
Jesus is there. The throne of grace is Jesus' throne. You have a high priest who's able to sympathize with your weaknesses. He's able to, and he does. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? Don't you want to just praise him? Just worship him. Come, let's worship him. Come, we'll just sing to a song. You can go where you want to go, do what you want to do. We're going to worship him. Lord, we worship you, God. We praise your name, Jesus. We, we see that you've called us in. We see it. We see that you laid out even how we could come to you. And then we hear your call to come with confidence, Lord. We hear your call to come with the, even just the sin that's in us and the frailty and the, the humanity and the flesh. We see it all. You see it all. But here we are, Lord. Here we are. Here we are, wanting to be rid of our sin, wanting to be done with sin, hating the sin, loving righteousness, hating wickedness and loving righteousness, loving you, Jesus. And we only even want to come to you because you've been at work in us. It's a sign of you at work in us. The fact that we even want to come into your presence. Oh, we just praise you. We praise you and we love you, Lord. Will you help us even now? Will you break something over us? Break something over us. If there's over any of us, any um, second guessing or tentative approach to you, Lord, or we're cowering or we're cringing, oh God, rid us of that. Rid us of it, God. We want to come to you boldly. Not because we've done, not because of us, because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, and thank you.